Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts, Stephen. And Kyle. And Kyle's coming in hot today with some uh, near-death experiences, so that should be super cool. I'm kind of excited to hear about this. Yeah, it's uh, pretty bizarre. I found some interesting connections to other stuff that we've covered before, and I've seen quite a few people request it in Discord, which is kind of why it made me jump on it. We've been heavy into like the alien stuff lately, and dimensional beings astral beings celestial whatever your label you want to put on them so i figured why not i haven't really looked into this myself much and just i don't know just seemed appealing at the time switch it up a little bit yeah got some good (laughs) encounters and some not good encounters (laughs) excellent excellent (laughs) Uh, before we get into that we're going to go through the business so check it out check us out at all your social medias facebook instagram youtube twitter and tiktok come and hang out with us you know the drill be part of the community it's a wonderful thing we're putting together and everybody involved is just awesome i can't state that enough 100 percent. if you have a paranormal encounter you'd like to share with the show for a future episode kyle is going to tell you how to get it to us well the first thing you can do is call the hollow phone which is going to be 1-618-556-0837 in particular, we are looking for Egress Industries. Please give us a call at that number. I'm just going to start calling think, it out. Do you think that's going to work? I don't know. They've said they've monitored our broadcast before. Why not now? Probably because they don't like us. But you can also text that phone. You can call it, leave voicemails. Uh, you can write your story out and email it to us, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. You can also... Use your voice memo app, record it, send it over the email, use the socials, whatever you want to do. That way we can get your stories. And we're always in search of stories. We always need stories. So don't act like, oh, these guys are getting too many stories. Mine won't ever get told. Nope. Send it over. Send it over. We will do our best. 100%. To get it out there. Life's been a little crazy, but I promise in the near future... We were going to have my buddy got T-boned by a UFO guy on. We're, <laughs> that is did, we're hands having that down conversation. my favorite. If I would have been thinking sentence. about it, I would have scheduled him ever today. Ever. I 100% would. Got I T-boned by a UFO. I did read an account of people who reported that they had their car stolen by aliens, so I might oh, get into dude. that. Yes, we need I that might, conversation. I might get into that, but we need that conversation. Another thing that me and Steve have been talking about, which is going to happen in the near future as well. Once again, we just got to save up for some equipment, a couple pieces of equipment, another mixer for me, and then a good camera. And we're going to start doing on our record nights. Hopefully, things work out start doing an episode live on YouTube for everybody to participate in. And the line will be open for call-ins, the whole bit and caboodle. Be like a radio show. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I think I'm I think I'm done ranting now. I, I just feel just... like we haven't recorded in like 6 years. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited yeah. to be here hanging yeah. out with you guys. Oh, where are we? Um things we got going on uh 2 weeks from now. Convention. We got the Kansas City Spirit and Paranormal Convention. 
We'll be speaking there on Saturday. It's March 18th through the 20th at the Hilton Garden Inn in Independence, Missouri. You can check out www.kcspiritandparanormal.com for more info. If you're in the area, if you're not in the the area and go to the area and you want to hang out, be sure to check it out. There's going to be tons of vendors, tons of speakers, all kinds of cool spiritual and paranormal things going on that weekend. Come find us, hang out with us. We'll chill. It'll be dope. I literally, as you were saying that, just came up with the best description as to how it's going to be when we public speak. Oh, this ought to be good. It's awesome. Have you ever seen Tenacious D? That's pretty much you and me. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be fine. That part where he's in the bar, and because all I all I heard <laughs> was when you said we're going to be public speaking, I just pictured that part where he's like, he has the pick around his neck, and he's the awesome singer, and he's like, we're going to blow your mind. <laughs> like, that's us. It will be something. It's going to be awesome. Anyways, uh, if you'd like to support the show, there's tons of ways to do it. We have a... Uh, merch store you can go and check out check out some shirts good stuff like that we got a patreon if you uh, see a tier you're interested in got all kinds of goodies i'm shipping out some stickers today and tomorrow got a whole bunch of them packed up ready to roll our patreon shirts we got the orders in they should be here by the 10th of this month and then we will get them on the way sorry about the postponement on that we've got everything figured out uh we have a venmo if you'd like to uh, shoot us some monster money so we can buy these delicious wonderful gifts from the gods uh we appreciate that uh best way you can support us is just tell your friends share the show help keep building building what we got from the ground up get us big af yeah big af and uh you can leave us a five-star rating and review from wherever you listen to podcasts and i'll gladly shout you out like i'm about ready to do here on a future episode, if you leave us something nice. If you don't leave us anything nice, we're not going to talk about you because we're not putting any energy toward any negativity That's right. anymore. So there. We don't care about your <clears throat> bullshit intent. No. What we do care about is five-star rating and reviews, which I'm pulling up right now. So All you people out there doing the Lord's work. Says five stars from our friend Kobuski. No, Kobusik? Kobusik? Kobu 74 I love it. Five stars. Superb show. A hidden gem in the paranormal and supernatural podcast community. Love the show, guys. An extra shout out to Kyle, since we share the same name. Cheers, bros. Why does everybody with my name listen to our show? Because it's a Kyle show. I know like 40 Kyles now. This is why. Because of monsters. That's true. Son of a bitch. It's because of monsters. But I, I do consider myself a diamond, so... That's... Your review is extremely accurate. Pretty much spot on. Yeah. So yeah, leave us a sick five-star rating and review. And bright like a diamond. I'll gladly shout you out why Kyle's bright and like a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> um, on to our listener experience of the day. This comes to us from our friend Dale. I'm going to read what he sent us in. Pretty good little story here. He says, hey, Kyle and Steve, this is the story of my friend that I've known since I was eight years old. I still talk to him to this day, and he's my oldest friend. Just for a little backstory, I became really interested in the paranormal in my late teens. I grew up Catholic as well, but walked away from that religion at the time I became interested in the paranormal. So one day, I want to say around 2005 or 2006, I was laying in bed, and I prayed and asked God to show me how real this stuff was because I'm a very curious person. Cut to two weeks later... 
After a late workout and a very short stint of a carry a very short stint at karaoke night and one drink later, we decided to leave when I got and when I got to his house, decided to walk around my old neighborhood where he still lives. We're just walking and talking about things going on in our lives. Then he said something that struck me funny. I started laughing and I'm not sure why. Still to this day I don't remember what he said, but he wasn't too happy with me. That's when he just started yelling, stop laughing at me, which I wasn't, but I kept apologizing, and he kept yelling. For some reason, we kept walking, and I kind of lost all sense of why we kept walking away from his house and not turning back. Then, after a few minutes, he fell to his knees and threw up, and snot just kept running out of his nose. Gross, I know. Anyway, it almost started like a howling sound. That freaked me out a bit. Then that was when he started talking in tongues. I have no clue what language he was speaking. Maybe if I heard it, I could give it a guess. I know that the only other language that he knew was very little Spanish from high school. What he was saying was fluent, almost like it was his natural language. So at the time, I knew very little about possession or oppression. I did put my hands on him and I started praying for him. When I did, he kept talking in tongues and he would scream. At one point, I leaned over him praying for him and I felt my whole back getting hot, almost like burning. I was able to get him up to his feet and get him walking. Through all this going on, I didn't realize that we kept getting further and further away from his house. We ended up almost a half a mile away. Now, he's about 5'10", 180 pounds of muscle. I'm 5'7", at 160 with some muscle. This is where it gets weirder. I was holding him up by the front of his coat, and he was pretty much dead weight. I'm not sure how long I held him there, but I saw that his eyes were rolled back into his head, so I could only see the whites of his eyes. Now, at this point, I'm tired and I just want this to end. I was getting really annoyed by this. While he was speaking in tongues, I finally said, I don't know what you're saying. Speak in English. He laughed and said, you don't know. You don't know what will happen. He laughed again and I said, I read the Bible. I know exactly how it ends. Then he went silent for a minute or two and I could feel my muscles burning pretty bad in my arms. He finally said, where are the cops? The cops should have been here by now. That was it for me. I put him in a fireman's carry and walked half a mile back to his house. If he said anything, I wasn't paying attention. I was focused on getting him back into the house. When I finally got him there, I set him down to his feet and I started to lose it. I looked at him and his eyes were no longer rolled back in his head. He looked at me and said, all right, man, give me a call if you're doing anything this weekend. And he went and walked into his house like nothing had happened. I got into my car and I lost it. I put some Christian music in and just kept losing it. It messed me up for a day or two. Later that weekend, we went out with a few people and nothing has happened to it with them since. I kind of knew at the time that I was being protected by God. I believe that's why the cops never came. He also answered my prayer of wanting to see the realness of all of this. Also, why was I able to physically do what I did? Holding him up and carrying him that half a mile. Had I known what I do now, I'm sure it would have been a much different outcome. I have a few other things happen, one possibly an angel, a portal, and three knocks on the wall in my bedroom. This is the first time I've actually written this all out, and I'm used. I'm more used to telling my story. If you have any questions, let me know. I may have missed a few things. It's been a long while ago, and since I, or a long while since I've actually told this story. Take care, guys, and keep up the great content, Dale. First, Dale, thanks for taking the time to uh, type this out and send it to us. Um, that is bizarre. I'm. Like when he said that he was puking and snotting everywhere, it reminded me of the exorcism or the exorcist. The exorcist, yeah. Exorcist, I kind of yeah. thought the same thing. But I mean, I would, I don't know how I would react if I was hanging out with somebody and they just started speaking in tongues or, or in this variation of language 
that sounded like they knew what they were saying. And I had no idea what they were saying or where that language originated from. <coughs> yeah. I'm like that would, that would put me on edge. And then not to mention you went out there, you threw the, you threw the, the line out. Hey, you know, show me this stuff. Let let me be, let me see what, what it's real. And I, I can tell you right now, and if you're a Patreon member, you know, I've kind of in that same boat here it, it, on the other side of the coin. However, I've had a lot of weird things happen of recent and it's because I was asking questions and i personally, I feel like my questions were answered so I, I can kind of relate in that aspect of it. Um, but I don't know, man, like, and it's even more more bizarre that you carried him all the way home and he more or less act like like that 20 minutes or however long it took didn't even happen just yeah not non-existent i'm going a couple different directions for it i mean you said you're out at the bar and doing karaoke night and drinking do you think somebody could have possibly slipped something into his drink maybe because i mean i don't know how all that shit works but if it if it's got him physically ill and psychologically he's not making sense when he's talking maybe that could be an avenue but back to the paranormal side where do you know if he himself was dabbling into anything that could possibly open up some sort of door to let something in, to let something inside you know what i mean like i don't know maybe a question you could ask him if he was like looking into the occult or anything like that to where you pretty much open a pathway to let something like this in. Well, the, the oppression is a good point too, because I'm not exactly sure how that works, but I don't know if you need that doorway still to, to open it, you know, but like the, the oppression, the, the entity being there and making your life a lot more miserable than what it is, you know, just that has a, and then there was a, priest that I was reading about that had another explanation for which I don't think this is the case but there were people that like say their life sucked and they they had this morbid obsession with almost wanting to be demonically oppressed like but it's just the fact that their life sucked yeah almost like they were in, just, inadvertently inviting yeah, them. yeah yeah dude I don't know that's wild and that, that'd be the other thing you know what, what was this guy's life like yeah. Maybe he was in a vulnerable state, you know, or maybe he nonchalantly fucked up some way, or maybe somebody did something to him. Like with with all these cases, with everything, I mean, the more the more context, the better. But yeah. man, I would be one hundred percent weirded out how that night played out. Like if <laughs> I was wild. in your shoes, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Me either, because you're gonna you're gonna be concerned about your friend, especially if they're throwing up and you know. And normally, like like you were saying, like if if he was on drugs, and you saw his eyes roll into the back of his head, like that's a bad sign. Yeah, you're thinking like seizure. Yeah, this dude's getting ready to go go down. But instead, he's yelling at you and speaking languages that shouldn't exist. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's wild. It is wild. Um. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time to submit your uh, experience, Dale. It's 
I don't know. I don't have any answers, dog. <laughs> I wish I did. Maybe. Like, maybe not. I don't know. The best way I could describe it would be like almost like a possession. Yeah. Like if I had to throw yeah. anything at the wall, that's where I'm going. 100%. Because every, everything is out of character with this person from yeah. what you're telling us. So, yeah, that's wild. Freaking crazy. Yes. All right. <laughs> yes. So from but there. I'm still like playing it out in my brain. But, yeah, I'm going to think on it for a while. But we're moving on to uh, Kyle's near-death experiences. Yeah, so kind of in the same vein. Uh, I I just started looking up, and these are weird ones because – most of the stories you, we look into, they have a little bit more context, a lot more background, et cetera, et cetera. So like some of these are literally no context on the person. It's just what happened to them. The first one I'm going to go through is this Anita Morhani. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, but she says she believes she died. She crossed over into the afterlife and back. She notes that the afterlife is like being in a really unlimited space and time. Now, in 2002, she was diagnosed with lymphoma. And during her fight with cancer, she started dwindling down like most people do. She went all the way down as far as 85 pounds. Jeez. She was battling all types of tumors from the base of her skull all the way down to her abdomen. And in about in two in February of 2006, she went into a coma. She said, "This is when she died and crossed over." She says, "I felt as though I was above my body. It was like I had 360 degree peripheral vision of the entire area around, but not just in the room where my body was. It was beyond the room." During her trip to the afterlife, she claims she was reunited with her late father. He, at this point, tells her to turn back. He said that you've, you've come as far as you can. If you go any further, you won't be able to turn back. And the way she describes it is, it was so pleasurable in this, wherever she was, that she didn't want to go back. She wanted to stay there. She said it was super beautiful. It was incredible. And for the first time, and I'm sure everyone can imagine, but for the first time, all of the pain and suffering was gone. Like she felt nothing, just nothing but pure joy. All the fear was gone. She was just consumed with the feeling of unconditional love. She was in a place where there was just incredible clarity, where everything started to make sense to her. And in this moment, she decides to take her father's advice and return to her body because she was under the impression she would heal and heal very quickly. And believe it or not, that's exactly what happened. Within four days, all of her tumors shrunk to 70%. The doctors were completely blown away. She told everyone around her she knew that this was going to be happen because this wasn't her time to die. And everybody was pretty much just in awe because here she is spouting it, and it's actually starting to manifest in that context. I've got 
I've got thoughts on this, but I'm going to save them for the end. Oh, okay. This is the end of her story. <laughs> I'm going to save so. them for the end of all of them because I feel like... Okay. I'm waiting to hear the bad stories. Yeah. Let's put it there's, there's a couple gnarly ones in here. Let's put it that way. Like, that one was a feel-good, awesome story. I've you got know, a couple of them. I've went, got a couple of them. She had all this terrible stuff going on in her life. She essentially dies, goes and sees a lost family member. Family member's like, yo, it's not your time to go. It's all warm and feel good. She gets back back to where she needs to be, and she starts healing up. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. But, uh, these bad ones are... I'm going to link some things together. All right. So the next one is on this... Uh... <laughs> the next one's on this Annabelle Beam. She And this is... This is the one that uh, it turns out good, but it breaks your heart reading it. She was, at the age of four, she was diagnosed with a chronic digestive disorder. When she was around eight, she would experience intense pain and frequent hospital visits. Annabelle would tell her mom she just wanted to die and go to heaven with Jesus, where there is no more pain, which that alone would just rip, you, just rip you apart as a parent. She said, at this point, she was just completely and utterly committed to giving up. And that night, she wouldn't be able to sleep, so she would just sit there and think about what would happen if she died. Keep in mind, this is an eight-year-old. She even notes that her mom would come with her and her dad would stay to watch over her sister. So she's like, she's like playing out in her head her death and she's she's like okay mom will come with me but dad's gonna stay behind to take care of the girls my sisters that is so terrible yeah like for eight, an eight-year-old eight shouldn't be dealing with that eight-year-olds should be like wondering what they're gonna play on recess or right what shows they're gonna watch when they get home from school they shouldn't be like planning their own demise death it's it yeah it's it's hard it just rips your heart apart now a few days later, she started telling her mother this. And Annabelle ends up falling 30 feet from a tree branch. Because I guess her and her sister were out there playing, climbing the tree. And Annabelle, you know, the tree branch breaks. She falls 30 feet, hits her head three times on the way down. And... She falls into this hollowed out section of the tree, I guess where she was completely down into the tree now at this point. In that very moment, she died and went to heaven. She said it was really bright and I sat on Jesus's lap and he told me, whenever the firefighters get you, there'll be nothing wrong with you. Annabelle then asks if she could stay and he says no. I have plans you need to fulfill on earth that you cannot fulfill in heaven. A few days later, she, which is exactly what happens. The firefighters show up. They drag her out of the tree. Nothing wrong with her. A few days later, she told her family, I guess they were driving, and she was staring out the window. She just turns to the rest of her family, tells them about this experience in a very matter-of-fact way, and then goes to looking back out the window. Uh, 
And she, this this girl went from taking over 10 medications a day to nothing. She was, at the, after all this, she was completely healed of every ailment she had. It was all gone. And by the way, these stories were taken from today.com. That's, it's so crazy. I, I, outside of the word miracle, I don't know. I mean, by reading it for what it is, and I'm not saying it's one way or the other, but outside of it being a miracle or bullshit, you know what I mean? Like, there's not many different avenues to go down. Yeah, and you can't really write it off as bullshit because she goes from taking the 10 medications to not. Well, the, the, the context and bullshit would be like, maybe somebody submitted this story and oh, it's just yeah, dog shit. Oh, yeah, it being completely fake. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I got you. I Which got I, don't you. Think, I don't think is the case. However, you know, and the only thing you could even remotely argue is that somehow... When the body goes into a comatose state, it goes into overdrive, healing itself somehow. Yeah. A way that we don't understand yet. But that, like I said, that we don't understand that at all anyway, so it is what it is. Um, This next one's pretty interesting. I got this one from uh, nypost.com. It follows a Dr. Bruce Grayson. So one night he was called, he was urgently needed in the ER to treat a college student that had overdosed. The doctor had no time to even change. So he he grabs his lab coat, buttons it up, and he notes, because it's relevant, he buttons it all the way up to cover his tie which his tie, his tie had a stain on it. He gets to the ER. The student was unconscious. Her breathing was slow but regular. He calls her name over and over and gets no response. Doesn't go into context as the what he did or didn't do to get her going again, but it picks back up. You know, he left the student and went to have a chat with Susan, which is her roommate. They talked about everything that had happened. Um, the next morning, he returns to work, and Holly, who's the student who had overdosed, is be- she's beginning to come too. Her eyes were closed, and she was really, really groggy. So the doctor says, Holly, I'm, I, I'm Dr. Grayson. And she stirs a little bit. And mumbles, I remember you from last night. So doctor, you know, at this point, he's he's confused. He's like, I didn't know you could see me. She goes, no, not, not in my room. I saw you talking with Susan and sitting on the couch. All of a sudden, Holly's eyes open. And she looks at him and she's like, you were wearing a striped tie that had a red stain on it. So now at this point, he's even more blown away because there's no way she should have been able to know any of that information. She she goes on to recount everything Dr. Grayson had talked to Susan with and in great detail. 
So this this story alone ends up driving Dr. Grayson to wanting to explore near-death experiences more and more and to see what, from a medical professional side of the conversation, he can, you know, add to. So he finds another encounter from this Al Sullivan. He was a Connecticut trucker who ended up in the hospital one day with chest pains needing emergency bypass surgery. Al told Grayson when he came to, he was looking down at the surgery table and the surgeon was flapping his arms like a bird. Grayson thinks it might have been a dream, so he contacts the surgeon. The surgeon says after he scrubbed in, he avoided accidentally touching anything by keeping his hands pinned to his chest and pointed to things for assistance with his elbows, which is what Al essentially describes while he was knocked out with his chest cut open and his eyes were taped shut. Isn't that crazy? So there's there's legitimately Isn't no way so this Al guy should have known any of that. But he and then not to mention, Dr. Grayson does his due diligence, gets a hold of the surgeon, and the surgeon more or less corroborates the story. Confirms it. Yeah. It's it's so weird. I just I I don't know, man. Like uh, of course, I have my own uh, thoughts and stuff on this as well, but like just reading these for what they are and picturing it all in your head as the story unfolds, it's it, it's bizarre. It's it's nothing more or less than confirming that the human race has to have some type of inner being, whether that's whatever you want to call it. I don't give a shit about what label you want to throw at it. Your consciousness, your soul, your energy, whatever it is. Because I feel like when you describe one, it doesn't really matter what fucking word you're using. They're all essentially this. They're, they're, you're talking about the same thing. Yeah, I, I can I can get behind that. So I like for me like with these stories here, especially like ones like this where the person is able to see and experience experience things that you physically it couldn't have happened. There's just no way it could have happened. You know what I'm saying? Because like yeah, yeah. like for the little girl, like her story is special on its own, but. She doesn't describe this like out of body experience where she perceives the the things around her. Like she talks about talking to Jesus, and I guess if you wanted to argue that one away, it could it could be argued that it was the synapses in her brain firing. She was more or less dreaming of this encounter, especially since she had been building this up in her head. Wanting to go be with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that you could, I'm not saying that you should or or anything like that, but you could throw that angle at the little girl. But these other ones where they're having these out of body experiences for me hit a little bit different because the dude had his chest cut wide open and his eyes were taped shut. 
There's no way he could have seen that surgeon. This just couldn't have happened. Yeah. It's it impossible. Is, it, is, it is bizarre. And if you were awake during open heart surgery, I, I feel bad for you. Because it's probably not cool. No. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it probably sucks. Right. <laughs> You know, it's just weird. And, and you know, and he even goes on, like, there was another one in 2004 with this Rosen Fitzpatrick. This guy suffered a brain hemorrhage. Or no, as a woman, sorry. She suffers a brain hemorrhage. She said during her experience, she became pure energy and realized there was no beginning or end, no life or death. It made no difference if she was in her body. It wasn't even relevant because she had become at one with this incredibly potent, highly charged field of energy. Which is a very curious description. Especially with like everything that we've been researching lately. Like it like it just screams astral beings and then like a lot of this stuff really 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 reminds me of project center lane and the experiments they were doing because like these these guys in center lane they called it remote viewing right well like i was telling you the other day like what if like what if Let's let's say they're they're a hundred percent. Just for argument's sake, we'll say they're the 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 soul is a hundred percent real. Your the consciousness, the energy, whatever, it's real. And unbeknownst to these center lane, or maybe they knew and they just weren't explaining it all to the the test subjects. But maybe they figured out a way to disconnect this your your soul from your body and allow you to navigate it as you wish. Because a lot, like I, some of these I'm reading, I don't know if I get into them later on or if I just had skimmed over them as I'm looking for ones to write down, but some of them talk about like colors that there's no words for because there's no, there's no color that they've ever seen here that even remotely, ma- which blows, it just kind of melts your mind. And they, they talk about different planes and and there's especially with the the bad ones they they have different levels and classifications and it all just starts to make me and then you have the the out-of-body experience well homeboy in project center lane he like he had that out-of-body experience where the girl actually sees him like floating above her like it just i don't know it really it really peaks my brain when you when you take those two and you start comparing them together, because I just feel like there's a lot of parallels there, and whether or not they knew, I kind of feel like they're connected somehow. I may not be explaining it the the best way, but I just I feel like there's a connection there. I I do think that with all of this, the possible tying link would be consciousness yeah the more that i think about the the 
interdimensional beings or whatever you want to call it, the more I think that in my brain, right, I almost am at the point where I feel like our consciousness is set up as a defense mechanism. It's what keeps us on this ethereal plane. Because when people start experimenting with consciousness, meditation, uh, hallucinogenic drugs, that's when they go beyond this plane. Yeah. And that's when when they start expanding their consciousness outside of our normal, our quote-unquote normal realms, that's when they start, you know, seeing these beings and experiencing all this, like, crazy shit that we don't experience normally. Well, like... That uh, there was a guy on coast to coast talked about um, being able to astral project. He was he was dabbling in that, and he said once he got out of our realm, he said he would he would astral project himself everywhere. And he said he was he wouldn't wasn't doing anything nefarious, just walk, just kind of just coasting along. And then he said other beings started to notice me. And he said, from that point, these beings could come in and essentially pluck my consciousness out and take me wherever, wherever they wanted me to go. I had no control over it. Could they pluck his consciousness whenever they wanted? Yes. Oh, that's terrifying. He would be asleep like, like this. And he said they would come in and pull him, pull him out and he would see himself laying on the bed. Which is exact, which is so similar to out of body experiences, near death experiences. Yeah, hundred percent. Also, which is kind of like that that like what you're describing that would feed into my connection with Centerlane because Centerlane would have been the beginning of what Homeboys figuring it out. Yes, you know, th- which, that which would be ties them. ties the government into this that the government knows more than what's going on. Hundred percent. And and this guy, I can't remember his name is Jason Outfit or something like that, but he said these beings would take him and show him different things. Essentially, take him and show him your dead dad, or take him and show him Jesus, or take him and show him the future where the entire fucking planet is just on fire and burning. They could. He said. He said, "Like time constraints don't exist. Like he, they would just take me to places. That's weird. And show me shit. So it don't like wow. Like it's that's... it's almost describing this to a T. Well, yeah, and that's that's even more bizarre. Like when you go, if you, which I we're not. I, we can do, but we. I was gonna save that till the end, but like, like the more that I like, I got it here in my head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've had that conversation with myself. I'm like, what if our consciousness or our soul or whatever is implanted into us as as a defense mechanism to dumb us down to where we where we don't go and explore explore this other shit because we're not fucking ready. Because when you hear people doing astral projection, doing uh, meditation, doing hallucinogenic drugs and and all this stuff where they go out, like listen to Joe Rogan whenever he fucking... He's talked about it. Yeah, like he he talks about seeing beings yeah. that he should not be seeing. Yeah. You know? And and there's there's multiple accounts, hundreds of thousands of accounts of people who do this and have almost the exact same experience. Which I mean... Then you could run back that back to like the natives and stuff, which they, they have a lot of shamanistic properties and they, they go on these spirit journeys. Yeah. All that stuff, which they I would think, tie all of it in. 
I feel like it's all tied together. It, it very well could be. And it's just, ooh, like that's a, that's a big can of worms right there because especially the way that guy was describing it, like how th- these beings could just pluck him and take him to see his dead father. Like how, how the fuck do you, how do those beings make that connection? I mean, it's just, that's a lot. There's just too much to. Yeah. We're, we're like, like sitting here and try to process it with our human brains. Yeah. It's like, really hard. We, we don't even, we're, we don't even know that we're on the same in the same goddamn league as opposed to a ballpark is whatever the fuck these things are. Yeah. And I mean, and then you, ironically you enough, know, once like, again, the magic, I, I'm notorious for doing it, but go back to Stardust. Yeah. Those fucking beings told him, I'm telling like, you, like, yo, dude, like, if you want to progress to this intergalactic shit, like, you need, you're, you need to expand your consciousness, is what they were telling him. I'm not saying that all this stuff is connected, but I'm just saying that all this stuff could be connected. <laughs> like, what if, what if the trauma of going through the the accounts these people are going through the the cancers and the lymphoma and all this stuff is enough trauma to expand to open up their consciousness. Okay, run with that, especially in the cancer ones, because that in that in that for that lady, you would have had to essentially done two different things: just just lay there and rot, or she she almost she would have had to force herself to prepare for death like we don't know what that process is like yet so at that point could that have been her catalyst to start breaking her consciousness free yep you know what i'm saying like it just yeah. it put cuz Trump, that, Trump that would does, put you in an entirely different state of mind yeah trauma does weird things oh yeah to the 100%. to the psyche and, and to expand on that further, look at the Bledsoe case. Oh, yeah. Whenever, because you're talking about these these people with the cancers and stuff getting healed after after being, having your near-death experience, which yeah. essentially is being, I mean, could be being taken by whatever these beings are. And then in the Bledsoe case, it, it got flipped back around to where, he, to where his experiences were healing people. That's true. You know? Yeah, it's, that's it's a good all, point. It all like ticks... Like you look into the shit and they all tick the same boxes, like alien abductions and near death experiences, out of body experiences, all this astral projection and stuff where they're in or they're encountering these beings like like they're all falling into this. They're not exactly the same, but they're falling into the same like lane. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. And, and you know, like I've stated before, like I don't I don't like some of the generalization in that, but I also at the same time I can't deny it either. Yeah, that that's kind of like where I'm at. It's hard. You know to, what I mean? Like, because I don't, I don't to want look past it. I don't want Bigfoot to be in the same context as the Bledsoe beings. Yeah, I don't. I just don't. And th- like, it has nothing to do with re- my research. It's just me, just how I want to fucking label it. Okay. <laughs> let, I'll accept it let either way. I'll have a Sasquatch. Yeah, I'll accept it either way. It's just. And I'm open to different. I'm definitely open to like, like maybe CERN cracked something open and everything flooded through. Okay, yeah. I mean, I that doesn't take away that Bigfoot still could be a physical being. It doesn't take away that the Greys could be a physical being. You know, 
it just they came through a, they're they've they're from the ether they're just from a different fucking place yeah and and like after the blood so case i've almost like it's hard to like it's hard to ignore <clears throat> the blood so case uh, yeah i just there's <clears throat> so many corresponding things that like seem similar <clears throat> i don't know it's yeah 100 percent. I went on a tangent there. No, it's good. It's a good conversation. So back to some of these experiences. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, you're good. <clears throat> Another one that I found was this Adam Tapp. He was 38 when using a wood etching device. And oh, this cannot be good. <laughs> well, it wasn't that. It's it's bad, but it's not as bad as you think it would be. The device ends up arcing and electrocuting him. Oh, that went a different direction yeah. than I thought it would. Luckily, his buddy was there and basically kind of cut the arc. But his buddy wasn't good enough because Adam actually ends up dying and his heart stopped for at least 11 minutes. He said all of a sudden he woke up in a place that seemingly had always been. It was black and it kind of seemed like space. I quote, I wasn't Adam. I wasn't a paramedic. I wasn't anything. It was just like this raw form of consciousness where I was just existing very happily and pleasant. That's so weird that he uses that term, the raw form of consciousness. He then said he felt a frequency wash over him and saw what looked like gasoline on water with all these geometric shapes and patterns adding that something was communicating with him through thoughts and feelings and emotions. I just started fading into the fabric of the universe. It was so warm and peaceful and pleasant. That's that right there alone is just right up blood. So it's right up. Oh yeah. Everything. And, and this him talking, like when you said his heart stopped for 11, 11 minutes, what is the end all be all of expanding your consciousness or releasing a, a soul, so to speak, other than death? Yeah, it'd be death, which ties in like it lines up with all these other like meditation and astral projection. Because it, it would be, it would be bizarre if like running with your theory that consciousness is like our protector, and because we're not ready to perceive. Uh, these other beings, these other planes. What if, de- what if death is that catalyst? Because by death, for it, assuming things go to plan, you've spent, we'll say, sixty-five years in purgatory, right? Maybe that was meant to be to give you the basic essential tools for to get you ready to get you ready you know what i mean like that's whenever because like this is your time like okay now we're gonna lift the veil good luck yeah (laughs) now begin your next journey (sighs) kind of a weird thought we're so philosophical in this i know episode i know I love it. All right. So 50 minutes in, but we're going hard. I found this is where I start focusing on 
a little bit of the negative sides. So I found... Where they take you to show you the entire planet on fire. I didn't find any of those. I found a couple of gnar ones, though. Like, they're... They, they even have... It's funny, because they only have these classification ones, like, for the not cool ones. <laughs> like, there's cool ones, and then there's, like, there's sucky ones, and then there's, like, extra sucky ones. <laughs> they have a rating system. <laughs> yeah, so... Like some people, they've been putting like labels on them. Like, don't read if you're gonna die soon. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they have inverse, void, and hellish. Um, a few examples of inverse would be a man was thrown from his horse. He found himself floating at treetop height, watching emergency medical techs work on him, and he says, "No, no, this isn't right." He's like, "Put me back." But the the paramedics obviously couldn't hear him. Next thing he knew, he was shooting through darkness toward a bright light, flashing past shadowy people who seemed to be deceased family members waiting. There was another one. A woman in, in childbirth felt her spirit separate from her body and fly into space at tremendous speeds, then saw a small ball of light rushing towards her. It became bigger and bigger as it came toward me. I realized that... We were on a collision course, and it terrified me. I saw a blinding white light come right to me and engulf me. And that was that was her experience, which sounds 101 Bledsoe's initial experience. I, balls I, light I, and shit. I hate it. Yeah, it's... I hate it. It's like... I don't know. It's like we're almost, almost there to grasp the truth... But the two things are like, the two things, like near-death experiences and whatever Bledsoe encountered, are supposed to be so different that you almost don't want to connect them. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Like, you hear these good near-death experiences. It's just experiences. like me sitting here saying, I don't want Bigfoot to yeah. be, you know, it's just... You hear these these near-death experiences, especially the good ones, and, and for that matter, even the bad ones, but especially the good ones where, like... They'll go and they'll see heaven and they'll see Jesus and they'll see their deceased family members and they get saved of all this stuff. Like, it's hard to give give credence one way or another that, like, whatever these beings are are responsible for that. Or whatever these beings are are responsible for these hellish fucking ones we're getting ready to listen to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's these ones here... The next classification of the void sound fucking terrible. Like they're not, they're not the hellish ones, of course, but they're bad enough. There was another encounter. Yeah, there was another account of a woman giving childbirth, and she basically finds herself floating on water. After a little bit, it, you know, because at first she's like, "Oh, this isn't so bad." Like, this is, this is kind of nice. It's not bad. But then she realizes that this isn't very peaceful anymore. It was pure hell for her. She was screaming, but nothing was coming out. It was worse than any nightmare, she said. I was spinning around, and I realized that this was eternity. This was what forever was going to be. I felt nothing but loneliness, the emptiness of space, the vastness of the universe, Except for me, a mere ball of light screaming. That gave me goosebumps. It's terrible. 
absolutely terrible. And it's like, what if, what if that, I don't know, man. It's like being locked in solitary confinement for infinity. Forever. And on top of that, even beyond that, like there's always going to be that fear that you're not there by yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, especially if my sorry ass is floating in water. (laughs) Floating in water. (laughs) I'd be the worst. The absolute worst. I would be in, my anxiety would be 0.5 billion waiting for something to come up underneath me and grab me and drag me down. Every second. Oh my gosh. Of I, saw, forever. I saw a shark attack video the other day. We're getting way off topic, but it made me think of you. Why? Because you hate the water. And I guess it's from Australia and it's legit. Like this dude is fishing on the on this rocky coastline, right? And he sees all these fish freaking out. He's like, what the hell is going on? And he zooms in and there is a Megalodon? torso of a human oh. floating. It doesn't look like it has any legs. And it's it's legit. It's from Australia. It was a shark attack victim. And, like, you see all the fish f- kind of still, f- like, feeding on whatever the hell's going on. And all of a sudden, this massive-ass fucking shark comes up and just takes the rest of the body. Just, just gone. I'm like, fuck that. See? That's where I'm at. Nope. Like, that's a... Not happening. That's a big bite. Yeah. It's probably a megalodon. Especially if your first bite took the legs off and then you come back for bite number two and it's just the and it's rest gone. Is gone. It's kind of how I eat food. Which interestingly enough, I saw on Facebook of all things, which you'd think that of everything on Facebook that gets taken down, a person getting eaten by a shark would, but it didn't, so it's learning purposes. Anyway. Yeah, back, back to the back to floating in non shark infested waters. <laughs> uh Astral shark infested yeah, waters. Yeah, that's no shit. Uh, moving on, there was and this is we're still on void. Um, a woman attempted suicide. She felt like she was being sucked into a void. I was being drawn into this dark abyss or a tunnel void. I don't know. I was not aware of my body as I know it. I was terrified. I felt pure terror. I had expected nothingness. I expected the big sleep. I expected oblivion. And I found now that I was going to another plane, and it frightened me. I wanted nothingness, but this force was pulling me somewhere I didn't want to go, but I never got beyond the fog. (laughs) There was another one. A man who was attacked by a hitchhiker felt himself rise out of his body. I suddenly was surrounded by total blackness, floating in nothing but black space, with no up, no down, no left or right. What seemed like an eternity went by. I fully lived in I fully lived it in this misery. I was only allowed to think and reflect. It sounds like you're at that point you're you become your own worst enemy. Yeah. And it's like those ones where people are being pulled out of their their body remind me of so many like alien abduction stories. Yeah. Where they're pulling you through the ceiling, but it's not you physically. You know, you're you're passing through these physical confines. Yeah, and for the and, most part, those people might not even know that the their body is being left behind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
especially if they're being pulled from like you know face to the sky. Yep, and they say they 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 feel themselves being pulled above the trees and stuff. Like I don't know, man. Yep, it's fucked up. So here we go. The big ones, the hellish. <laughs> oh boy. A woman was being escorted through a frighteningly desolate landscape and saw a group of wandering spirits. They looked lost and in pain. Her guide said she was not allowed to help them. And I, like I said, these, these are just quick little jaunts. Uh, there was another one, a woman who had hemorrhaged from a ruptured fallopian tube, reported horrific beings with gray gelatinous appendages grasping and clawing at me. The sounds of their guttural moaning and indescribable stench will remain with me 41 years later. There was no benign being of light, no life video, nothing beautiful or pleasant. Dude, it's like, like I said, it's almost like, like what if there are defense mechanisms in our head that keep us, like say, say those beings, those indescribable, horrible beings are around us all the time, but our consciousness is here to to keep us from being able to know they're here because that's absolute mind-shattering terror the way she describes it, right? Oh, yeah. And once that consciousness expands, it's like, well, here here they are. This is them. Yeah, and then you can't unsee them ever. No, that's why I'm like, I'm like just She gonna... describes remembering the smell 41 years later. It's terrifying. That is awful. Yep. There was a, a... I don't like that at all. No. No. Um, there was a woman who attempted suicide. She feels her body sliding down into a cold, dark, watery environment. She, and I quote, when I reached the bottom, it resembled the entrance to a cave with what looked like webs hanging. I heard cries, wails, moans, and the gnashing of teeth. I saw these beings that resembled humans with the shape of a head and body, but they were ugly and grotesque. They were frightening and sounded like they were tormented in agony. Chalk that up for another one that we're not supposed to see. Right. They're really hitting you with this whole water motif on these bad ones, aren't they? Yeah. They're going right for you. And, and believe it or not, those ones were taken from the, the PMC U.S. National Library of Medicine and National Institutes of Health. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, like all... You have so many national government agencies looking into this shit. Like, there's definitely something to it. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. What What's producing that fire? We're not really sure, but somebody's trying to figure it the fuck out. Yep. And this this next one will be the last one. It's a little bit of a longer one, <laughs> but it's uh, it's pretty frightening. So. I end up stumbling onto this story on Howard Storm. He went on a European art tour, and one night while at his hotel with his wife and a student, he fell to the floor in agony. He had a perforation in the small stomach. He said it felt like someone had shot him. His wife calls the doctor, and when they get him picked up, they say he needs a doctor immediately. Well... If you don't have surgery within five hours, you're a dead man. Well, this happens on a Saturday. 
Now you told me about yeah. this one. Now apparently French doctors do seven surgeries a week, and after they do seven, they take the weekend off. So he laid in a waiting room on a bed with no sheets, no pillow, and no pain meds for ten hours. So he basically starts telling his wife goodbye and telling her to let everybody know shortly after he lost consciousness. Then, all of a sudden, Howard was standing beside himself laying on the bed. When he was standing there, he noticed the pain was gone. He actually felt more alive than ever. All of his senses were heightened. He tried to talk to his wife and another man in the room, but they didn't answer. Suddenly, he heard people outside his room calling for him by name. They spoke, they spoke English without an accent, which seemed strange to Howard. But they say, they were telling him, come on, come with us. Hurry up, let's go. So Howard goes to the doorway and asks if they're doctors. He needs surgery and has been waiting for an exceptionally long time. They reply with, we know all about you. We've been waiting for you. It's time for you to go. Hurry up. So with confusion in mind, he began to walk with these people down a long hallway. Howard said the hallway was dimly lit, almost dingy. They took me on a very long journey through a gray space that got increasingly darker and darker. So they walked and they walked, and at this point he was wondering why he wasn't tired after one of the worst days of his life. So he becomes curious, and he's like, all right, so where are we going? How come it's taken so long? What's the doctor's name? One of these beings say, shut up. The other one replies with, be quiet, don't ask questions. With, with this, apprehension starts to kick in, and he also starts to lose faith in the people that are guiding him down this hallway. He said, finally, it gets so dark and I was so terrified, I just stop. And I'm like, I'm not going any farther. I want to go back. One of them replies with, you're almost there. Come on. Howard's like, no, not happening. Go fuck yourselves. I'm not going any farther. Well, with this, these beings start getting physical with him. They start to push him, pull him. And I guess... Howard's fight or flight kicks in and he starts fighting even though he was outnumbered and he says and I quote we had a big fight and the fight turned into them annihilating me which they did slowly and with much relish he says mostly they were biting and tearing at me this went on for a very long time they did other things to humiliate me and violate me which I don't want to talk about after some time when all the fight was out of Howard, he fell to the ground, just torn to pieces. He lay there motionless for a little bit, just depleted of all energy. And then he starts hearing this small voice in his head, and it tells him to pray to God. He thought, you know, and then he kind of plays devil advocate. He's like, I don't pray. I don't even believe in God. Then he heard the voice a second time, pray to God. And he's like, but I wouldn't know how to pray even if I wanted to. And he's like, "Who, whose voice is this in my head? It sounded like his, but the words were completely foreign to 
the, his own way of thinking. Once again, here's the voice repeating the same message. At this point, he starts to remember when he was young and he was in Sunday school. So I guess he's kind of weighing and he's like, what, what do I have to lose at this point? So he just wings it out there. He blurts out, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. As soon as he said that the guide started becoming very furious and they start screaming at him, there is no God and nobody can hear you. If you keep praying, we will really hurt you. But Howard noticed something interesting. The more he prayed and began to mention God, the more they backed away. So he starts feeling emboldened by all of this. And he, he begins shouting out bits and pieces of the Lord's prayer, just screaming at him. As he laid there, he knew that they had fled, but they weren't very far. And Howard begins to review his life. And I came to the conclusion I led a crummy life. I had gone down the sewer pipe of the universe. I had gone into the septic tank with other human garbage. I was being processed by the garbage people into garbage like them. Whatever life was supposed to be, I missed it. What I received was what I deserved, and the people who attacked me were people like me. They were my kindred spirits. Now I'll be stuck with them forever. Feelings of self-loathing and hopelessness filled his mind. Once again, his thoughts went back to Sunday school as a child. He remembers seeing Jesus loves me, and I could feel it inside of me. As a child, I thought Jesus was really cool, and he was my buddy, and he would take care of me. At this point, he wonders if if Jesus is even real, and if he was, why would he care about me? He probably hates me. I'm not going to think anymore. I'm just going to ask. So he yells out into the darkness, Jesus, please save me. In that very instant, a brilliant light appeared that came closer and closer. He found himself bathed in a beautiful light, and for the first time, he could clearly see his own body in its miserable condition. Ghastly for his own eyes to behold, I was almost all gore. Howard immediately recognized Jesus. His arms reached down and touched me, and everything healed up and came back together. He filled me with a love I never knew existed. He picks Howard up, puts his arms around him, and carries him out of there, and they were headed to where you know God lives, apparently. In this moment, Howard thinks to himself, did Jesus just make a terrible mistake? I don't belong in heaven. They stopped moving, and both Howard and Jesus were, were basically hanging in space, and Jesus replies, we don't make mistakes. He could read everything in my mind and put his voice into my head. Howard recalls we had a very rapid, instantaneous conversation, which once again goes back to uh, Stardust there. Jesus then had angels show his life to him. It was a terrible experience because my life deteriorated after adolescence. I saw I became a selfish, unloving person. I was successful, a full-tenured art professor at 27, the department head, but I was an asshole. He saw his heavy drinking and adultery. He says, I cheated on my wife and I was proud of it. I was horrible. As I sat and watched this rerun of his life, he could see the disappointment on the face of Jesus. After it was over, Jesus asked him to do asked him, "Do you have any questions?" Of course, I mean, who wouldn't at this point? I mean, 
Howard's like, I got a million. So he starts asking Jesus questions. And apparently Jesus answers every single one of them. Afterwards, when Howard couldn't think of anything, he says, I'm ready to go to heaven now. And Jesus is like, yeah, about that. You're not going to heaven, my guy. (laughs) And he's like, you're going back to the real world. And this is the part that kind of blew me away. Because you have this whole story about him going to hell and praying to Jesus and, and God and, and being taken to what could be perceived as the gates of heaven. And they show you, like, this is where you messed up, bro. Like, you've been a dick. But here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you a second chance. And Howard's like, nah, fam. Uh, I went into heaven now. <laughs> So he starts arguing with Jesus about it. My guy. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is not, this is not intelligent. Cause he could easily just go, all right, man. I mean, you saw the other option. I guess that's where you're going. I don't know, bro. I'd be <sighs> arguing too. If somebody made me get violated by demons before he gave me a chance to repent myself. <laughs> When he could have just been like, yo, you lived a shitty life. Yeah. Fix it. Instead, he's like, go down there to the fucking demon rape shack for a while. Yeah, but you could argue that if Howard was so set in his ways, that if he just would have went to the the quote-unquote gates of heaven and been like, Howard, you've been a bad guy. Would Howard have changed his ways? I don't know. Because in the back of Howard's head, he might have it in his head. Well, I mean, I got time to change. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing now. But all I got to do is just change before I die. And then I'm square. Which is kind of the odd cosmic law anyways as you as you can read into it but anyways uh 9 p.m hits and howard was back in his hospital room in paris (laughs) he's like son of a bitch less than 30 minutes had passed since he lost consciousness he opens his eyes the nurse says the doctor is here and you're gonna have surgery now they wheel him away his wife's in in the hallway he looked at her and said everything is going to be really good now after the surgery, he was able to speak with his wife, and he told her, it's all love. You won't have to suffer anymore. Thinking he was on drugs, she's like, you need to sleep, big guy. Well, later he ends up telling her basically the entirety of the story. And it's kind of it's kind of ironic because, you know, she was a... They were both basically atheists, and... By him telling her that, like, she's just like, no, you're out of your mind. And in the end, all of this was unable to save Howard's marriage. She leaves him. (laughs) Which I don't blame her if he was being a piece of shit to her. So (laughs) I wonder if Jesus is sitting there and like, well, we gave you another chance, Howard, and you still fucked it up. 
It's possible. I don't know. I thought it was a pretty interesting story, though, because he does describe some of the nuances of hell or what could be perceived as hell. And it didn't sound very fun, just from the little snippet that a lot. See, the problem with some of it is like they were locked behind like tons of books. Like, oh, get this book. And then you read some of the reviews and they're like, oh, it was oh, fucking yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. I got you. And I'm like, God dang it. Like, I'm just, I want a really good one on these bad parts, these bad experiences. Yeah. To see what people really experience. And almost every one of them was locked behind a fucking book. Yeah. And then they all turn into 90% of those ones turn into stories like this, where the guy ends up becoming a priest to try to and it's kind of fucked up because in some cases it almost makes you feel like if they like let's say he quits being our professor like the first thing he does right out of the gate he's like join the church like it almost makes you feel like bitch you're just trying to buy your way into heaven yeah yeah, like you, you, you've you, seen the worst of the worst, and now you want to turn your life Yeah, like, you want to buy your way into heaven. You've been such a piece of trash that you've lined yourself up with hell, and you've went there, and now you're like, whoa, whoa. I should probably... <laughs> Pump the brakes a little bit. I should probably take a step back and reevaluate. Yeah, because, I mean, I feel like of, of the message... That I, at least from what I've read, I would have took it as, "Hey Kyle, don't be a piece of shit anymore. Be a good person." There was no requirements that you needed to go and join the church. I mean, if that's your calling, that's your calling. But I just kind of feel like in this case in particular, he may or may <laughs> not have done it to buy his way into heaven. Yeah, like it just. Kind of get that feeling from it. Classic. Which, I mean, if you were shell-shocked that bad, I could see it. I could see a lot of people doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. You know, if you, if you took it that hard. Because you're going to, you, you'd want to go from one extreme to the next. Like, you'd be like, oh, this is, I got the worst news ever. I need to go the opposite direction and fast. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. But I don't know. Trying to, just trying to fix all the wrongs that is your entire life. Right. It's a small task. <laughs> small. At least task. he was only 27, though. He, he wasn't like 63. That is true. I mean, he only had a little bit of stuff he had to not fuck up. Right. <laughs> Easily repentable. I don't know. That would, that would be the end of my indies for now. I'm sure that I'll revisit them in the future. I'll probably, I'm sure people will send me some some more experiences and directions to look. I also need that too. Just directions. Point me in a direction. Yeah, I I like that. I I was thinking about it, like when you told me you were doing an episode on it, and it kind of got my brain turning to, to start out just to compare them to alien abductions. You know how like out-of-body experiences and stuff like that kind of are similar, but then I went on that tangent about the fucking uh, consciousness and stuff, and that was a whole... Whole other thing. Whole other thing I was going on there. 
No. Good stuff. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, definitely. And definitely a change of pace, which is nice. The the alien-ish beings have been kind of at the forefront of a lot of people's minds here of late. Yeah. So we're kind of trying to switch gears once in a while. But the next story I'm working on, ironically enough, is alien shit. More so focused toward the government, though. It starts out alien, then goes government, which is kind of the direction I wanted to go for. So I'm excited to keep looking into that. I know Steve's got some insane stuff he's working on, too. So should be a good time. Yeah. I might, I might switch it up with the next one and just do this little cryptid alien encounter possibly thing I have put together here. But we'll see. We'll see what I'm feeling, what I'm feeling like here. Right on. So, until next time. Yeah, stay weird, stay safe, and um, if you have a near-death experience, I hope, A, you don't end up in the pits of hell, and B, I also hope you don't end up floating aimlessly in a never-ending body of water, because that also would suck. So. But what if it was a never-ending body of monster? Could be worse things. Could be. Can you imagine a great white shark running on just straight monster? <laughs> he would eat you so fast. <laughs> His heart would explode. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>